Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Julie, it is lovely April the 14th, and we are picking up where we left off. And this is our fourth uh, day of doing this topic, and I don't know if you know this, but we've never done a four topic our four show to over one particular yeah. topic yeah we haven't so this is our this is the first true episodal podcast yes we've done congratulations i nice guess <laughs> well it's an important topic you know success is. is kind of broad i would be a little bit worried if we got that one covered in one one podcast and this is basic the the theme of, you guys got to go back and listen to the past three shows that we've done on this topic and this is show four and it's really do you really do you really have what it takes to succeed and the uh, feedback we've been getting on a lot of these points has been wonderful. Some of you guys have sent us some feedback, some questions where you're wanting us to clarify what we were saying. And, and of course, we've been more than happy to oblige. But really, the big takeaway was, and the point of this podcast, and these, you know, this being the fourth um, episode of this topic, is to really expand your thinking, make you think bigger, shake you out of complacency, and maybe put you in a position where you will realize that you have been making a, a mistake or maybe you've had some misdirection in your life without knowing. And actually, I wrote this down. Let me see if I can find it. Ah, here we go. So shortcuts exist to distract you from the correct path. And shortcuts uh, compound um, and you never find out and, and basically until too much time has passed. And I think that's kind of an interesting little synopsis of the past three days worth of podcast. Don't I you? think you're right. And shortcuts, uh, when that happens, it's because they become a habit and you don't even realize that those shortcuts and workarounds and, you know, skipped steps are now your new reality until yeah. there's a catalyst in most cases something kicks your butt something surprises you and then hopefully you get into a coachable mode and so so really the best way and this is a again we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday and the point number what are we on today julie point number 18, se- uh, 18. 17 well a little bit of 17 then 18 and then 19 and then we've actually covered all the topics or all the points rather but really, the, the problem ultimately with shortcuts is, and getting back to what I wrote down, is they really do compound. In other words, when you do one little hack or one little shortcut, then in order to, you then start building on that shortcut, and then you don't really realize, like, I'll give you for example, you decide that you don't want to be a proactive lead generator. You decide you want to be a marketing-based business that maybe occasionally does some proactive lead generation. You decide that you're going to scale up a big a buyer's agent staff. You're going to buy buyer leads. You're going to work on your branding. You're going to work on your internet marketing. You're going to work on your social networking. You're going to bump, 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 You're going to do all these things. And so what happens is one thing has to happen for the others to happen. So if you hire buyer agents, then you're going to have to hire, then most of you are going to you know, fall into the trap of buying buyer agent leads. If you hire buyer agent leads, then you have to then hire someone to manage those buyer agent leads and maybe even uh, work with the buyer's agents. And then you're going to have to work in your branding and then you're going to have to do all this. You know, These, these are all the mistakes that compound because you tell yourself that that's the correct path to be marketing-based and proactively generation enhanced, where we take the exact opposite um, stance. Now, here's the uh, fallacy in that business model. First, in the in the business model that's basically perpetuated by every uh, uh, you know by everyone really, but us. 
Uh, and the fallacy is that is that you are having to spend money constantly and you have really no net profit. And that's it's gotten worse because commissions on the buyer agent side of the transaction have fallen. We're all the reasons you guys know, or if you don't know, listen to our podcasts. But really at the end of the day, the big team model, the buying business model, the, the branding model, the marketing model, it absolutely does not work in a market like this. And it will probably never really work at all ever in any market because it's become too expensive and all those ideas have become oversaturated. And oversaturated simply means that you have too many people doing the same thing. You know, I forgot to uh, put my phone, it, we're recording, everything's good, but I forgot to do a setting on my phone that I better fix before I screw it up. <laughs> Boop, boop. We're good. No. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so that's really, yeah. and, and so if you decide to, for example, and let's say the market slows down, or let's say you have a key staff member quit, or let's say you have some other, you know, headwind happen in your business, but you still have that fixed cost. You still have all those buyer's agents that need their buyer agent leads, or you still have, you know, all the branding and the marketing bills that you have to pay. But, you know, for whatever reason, the market slows down. There's lots of things that cause markets to slow down. The most recent one you guys will probably remember <laughs> is the pandemic. Yep. I remember after September 11th, the market just yes, dropped like a rock. Old. Yep. And there have been a lot of other things like that. And every time that happens, all the agents who have all this high level of fixed costs and low profit margin businesses, they all basically go, they go out of business so fast and they go out of business in such a way that it's slow and painful because what they do is they try to keep their business model, which is very inefficient, not profit focused. They try to keep it alive by using their own personal, you know, they'll refinance their house, they'll sell rental properties. In other words, they'll, they'll piss away whatever net worth they've accumulated just to keep this bad business model alive. And this all comes down to basically essentially having the business maturity to realize that they made, again, to my point earlier, they essentially, without knowing it, they chose the path of what they perceived to be the least resistance. In other words, they decided to buy their business and be marketing enhanced opposed to doing the way we prescribe, which is being a proactive lead generation based and then marketing enhanced. If you choose to market enhance that at all, which you probably won't, um, and so because of the fact that they got on that marketing bandwagon, they never really learned how to proactively lead generate. They never really learned the art and science of running a very profitable real estate business or business in general. Um, and so they only find out when essentially something happens that causes their business to be put back on, their, on its heels. Now, I want you to think about this. If you're a proactive lead generation based business and you're not buying leads and you don't have a big team and you're not spending all your money on all this ridiculous ego stuff, and the biz in the market uh, pivots, the you know sales slow down. You're not. You're fine. You're right as rain. There, you you don't have a bunch of lead weights strapped to your ankles that are going to pull you to the bottom of the ocean um, in form of fixed costs, do you? When you're running a very profitable business, you have more than enough financial reserves to weather any storm, and you'll have the skill set to pivot and take advantage of whatever the market has to offer you. Whereas the marketing-based agents do not. And I want you to really wise up to the fact that if you're uh, finding it attractive to be a proactive, I'm sorry, a passive lead generator, because you perceive that it's going to be the path of least resistance, you're act and be, you know, you're going to have to maybe suffer the consequences of making that decision. And the only way that's going to happen is, frankly, when you beat your head against the wall for enough years, and then finally you swing back around to listening to Julie and I and realize what we've been telling you all these years has, is absolutely true. And you know, unfortunately that some of you are hardheads like that. You're going to need to have that bad experience. Yeah, well, you know, a, a little uh, side road to this whole team buyer agent thing that, that uh, people who are running that show are complaining about right now, their buying leads budget, which they're in contract for month in and month out, is staying the same, 
while the number of buyers that their alleged buyer agents can actually handle at once has greatly diminished. Why? Because they're losing offers right and left because the same client that you used to be able to put in contract after a week is taking perhaps months to even win a contract. Yep. And so what does that buyer agent do? They complain. And what does that agent have to decide? They either have to get more buyer's agents or they have to settle for less. Meanwhile, their marketing budget is grinding them to nothing. I've had some of them say, you know, the only way I'm making money is for off of my listing sides. Well, that's the unfortunate. So, like, why are you running that, that buyer show then? What, what Julie just said was really important. Actually, tees right up into point our next point, too. Yep. But what, what she said is critical. So when Julie and I will look at, for example, let's say you're a team and you bring your profit and loss statement to us. And Julie and I are going to look um, at, essentially, we're going to split your business in half. We're going to look at the buyer side transactions and the listing side transactions. And what we're going to see, guaranteed, is that the listing side of the business is subsidizing the buyer agent side of the business. In other words, if you didn't have the buyer agents doing the transactions, yes, you'd do fewer units, but you'd also be making a hell of a lot more net profit. You're actually, and I'll give you an example. This you know, I, the guy's name was Russ and I looked at his profit and loss statement. He had something like a million dollars in commission and he was still doing, him and his assistant were still doing all the listing side of the business. The buyer's agents, he was buying buyer agent leads for them. He'd followed the big team model. He was doing the whole thing. He was getting all the awards and the plaques and bragging about his units. But the buyer agent side of the business was actually make, he was having to take what would have been profit from the listing side of the business. And he was having to actually then subsidize the buyer agent side of the business for the sake of just keeping the buyer agents in the leads. He'd never, so where were all the fallacies on this? The buyer's agents never learned how to proactively lead generate themselves. He was, you know, then stuck in the paradigm of having provide them leads. He was never, he didn't, he wasn't running his business like a business. He wasn't realizing that he was actually losing money on the buyer agent side to the point where he was actually giving away his profit. So his profit on his business, a million in gross commission, 500 from the buyer agent, you know, revenue, right? The million from, uh, you know, total revenue, um, half a million came in from the buyer agent side, half million came in from the listing side. Now on the listing side, his one fixed cost was like his administrative assistant and somebody who ran signs. So he was, from the half million that he was making on the listing side, he should have been netting at least probably $400,000. And he wasn't. He was netting like $200,000. So where the extra money went, it went to actually keeping the buyer agent side of the business um, in business, which is what I told him to no longer do. And it makes no sense, right? It's so it counterintuitive because... Most agents, you know, whether you have any uh, business maturity or not, just the simple math on its face looks like more units should equal more money. And it's even right? worse now because everyone out there, really our competitors, are all telling people to start building this online brand, yeah. start doing all these videos and start making all this social networking uh, content. Yeah, so Somehow, now, now you're wasting your money on buyer leads and your time on the social stuff. Right. And you're being led to believe that that's going to somehow compound and make your, and you're going to build this big, huge castle that's going to be impenetrable to any sort of competitors or somebody trying to get business away from you. And you're going to have market share and all this. It's all a lie. And I'll give you the most obvious reason, most obvious way you can tell it's all a lie. Because all it takes as you're building this big castle, you then all of a sudden, let's say you're deciding you want to make a bunch of YouTube videos or you're going to do some TikTok videos or video is going to be your thing. You don't own those platforms. All they have to do is, well, they can go out of business. That's happened before. So you've created a bunch of content for a social networking platform and it goes out of business. Or they change the algorithm or they change the how it works or the search widgets or something, something changes. And so you spent all this time and dedication. Let's say you've done the best online media content you possibly can. 
And what have you not done in the interim? You've not developed the skill set to proactively lead generate because you've been so busy following this path of least resistance and hope you thought you'd hacked out a shortcut from having to do the real work of real estate by becoming some online media influencer type. And then all of a sudden the online media influencer type thing doesn't work anymore because like Vine did years ago, all of a sudden the company just goes out of business. These things happen all the time. That's the reason if you want to have a long-term stable real estate business, you have to build your castle on land that you own. When you're building your castle on land that somebody else owns, aka social networking platforms, buying leads in general, you will never have a business. You will always basically be on your heels. You'll always be looking for the latest and the greatest widget. You're never going to actually have any confidence because you're never going to develop any consistent cash flow that then leads to profit. So let's move on to point number yeah. uh, 18. 18. Peak performers delegate, yes, but never obfuscate. Trust but verify. So what's the difference between delegate and obfuscate? Well, so that's, you know, this is a point um, Julie and I came up with years ago. It's in our book, Harris Rules, which, by the way, Julie, close to 500 five-star reviews on Amazon. It's awesome. Thank you. Um, so peak, uh, peak performers delegate but never obfuscate. So here's what a lot of agents believe that they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to essentially delegate everything, and then the obfuscate part comes in when they don't actually check to see the things are getting done. They don't hold the person accountable that they delegated to. They don't essentially uh they don't verify that the work is being done to the right standard. They just push the work off and hope for the best. Right. And so this is another one of the reasons why when we, we get people that are saying, oh my gosh, Tim and Julie, I'm so grateful that you told me I didn't have to form a team. I was feeling so much pressure to form a team. My broker, my office manager, everyone was saying, you know, you know, Sally, you're now selling 25 houses a year. The next thing you have to do is add buyer agents. And, you know, so many of you guys are given these fake pressures and they're not for your betterment, by the way, when people push that on you. They're for the betterment of the brokerage because they're trying to expand their agent count by getting you to go out there and, uh, you know, recruit agents for the sake of building your team, but also building their brokerage. You guys get it? So your best interests are not what they have in mind. But ultimately, where this delegate and not obfuscate thing comes into play is that when you do have these, for example, let's go back and hammer down on the whole buyer agent model. You think that hiring a bunch of agents and you feed them a bunch of leads is going to produce a bunch of profit. It doesn't. It, may, it might produce revenue, but it doesn't produce profit. And why? Because the buyer agents, for example, and this is essentially a historical fact, it's human nature, people are going to work to the point where they have a minimal level of financial security, and then they're really not going to make much more effort. So you can have a buyer's agent that starts out with you, and they're doing really, really great putting houses in contract, and they might work really, really well for maybe six months. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, I finally got this buyer agent thing figured out. I'm a buyer agent, you know, wrangling genius, you know? Uh, so then what happens is that buyer agent then will, you'll no start noticing the pattern. Let's say their personal monthly overhead is about, you know, five grand, seven grand, whatever it is. You know that because you, you know, you ask them questions, you know what their personal bills are. And then you start seeing the pattern that as soon as they have about, guess what, seven grand in contract, then they stop working the leads. Then they stop working the leads at the same level had they had uh, essentially nothing in contract or like they did when they first started working with you. And then what do they do? They complain about the leads. Mm -hmm. They start explaining to you that this just won't work for this reason or that reason. The market's too tough. And you trust blah, blah, them. Blah. You don't actually verify that what they're telling you is the truth. Or let's say, for example, you delegate something to somebody else that you expect to get done at a certain level, uh, but you don't actually check to see if it got done at that level, and you just make a pattern of basically being a lazy boss and you never verify anything, that compounds. 
And so, yes, I am talking about a very a variation of micromanaging. All the best leaders I've ever come across or I, I know about do micromanage, but they micromanage not in the sense that they're going to go in there and sweep the floor. They're going to go in there and basically walk past and make sure the floor was swept. And that's what you have to do when you're running a business well, successfully. But isn't that a myth? The myth is that you can just offload all of this work and, you know, sit on the beach, go on vacation, not have to return phone It's a calls. lie. You know, that everything's better when you hire your army of people. And yet, the, the fact of it is, if you're going to have people like that, you have to manage them. So yes, you are still working. So if you're going to still be working, wouldn't it be better to work on your own deals where your net is hugely better than when you, you know, try and expect buyer's agents to convert everything? Well, Because they do do that. They complain. They complain about the yeah. market. They're only, I mean, we have so many cases and, you know, it's not just buyer's agents. Some agents kind of act that way, too, where they only produce what it takes to keep the lights on. Yep. And then, you know, they stop doing the things that got them there in the first place, like, you know, proactive lead generation and furiously fast lead follow-up and all of those types of things. So I think that's the difference between, yes, delegate. And, you know, there are some things that are appropriate to delegate, like have a transaction coordinator. But there are other things that you shouldn't, like lead conversion, well, I'll even go as far as to say the lead, the transaction coordinator, you better make sure that person's doing yes, their job. Yes, that's true. And they've had problems with that. Where sure. They hire them and forget them. And you can put a system in place that basically is a checklist type system and you can you know log in and see that this was done and that was done. That's not really what I'm talking about. You've got to make sure the customer's happy. That's right. You've got to make sure that that human touch aspect, the whole reason you hired that person is actually getting done. That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, so here's the unfortunate truth of being a business owner, not just a small business owner, but a business owner in general. You are always going to have antivirus software running in your head constantly looking for threat vectors, looking for things to, that might need fixed, might, uh, might need you know tweaked or might need somebody to have a little crackdown. And the reality of it is, is that's what it takes to be successful. There is no on and off when you own a business. There's always on. There's just varying levels of on. You might be at level 10 or you might be level three. But trust me, as soon as you flip that knob to off, you're going to lose your business because too many things will get by you. And the first things that get by you are things that your staff should have been doing that aren't doing. And your staff could just be one or two assistants. Now, are we anti-team? Of course, we're not anti-team. We're anti-unprofitable team. We're anti, you know, adult daycare type team. Anti-obfuscate. Right. We're, yeah. We are pro-profitable team. And that does take a, dis a different approach, which would be certainly more business-minded. By the way, speaking of business-minded, if you guys would like a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches, please just text the word EDUCATION to 47372. Text the word EDUCATION to 47372, and you can have your own 30-minute free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. Just text the word EDUCATION to 47372. All right, next point, Julie. Yes, okay, so point number 19, and then we will round the bend here. Point number 19, peak performers are incredibly careful who they take any advice or coaching from. One bad or misguided idea can ruin a business. Anyone remember New Coke, for example? Be incredibly rigid uh, when taking anybody's advice. The world is full of fake experts, fake coaches, fake leaders, have filters for everything. So for example, for hiring a real estate coach, you know, somebody that is supposed to be moving you forward faster than you would on your own with less pain to you, 
How do you decide? There's actually four filters. You know what, Julie? Yeah. These four filters, when we started, you know, we thought of this about a year ago when we started putting these out in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Some of the fake coaches actually started going after us a little bit because they knew they didn't qualify for these four filters. Yeah. But here's the thing. All of you deserve the right to basically hire someone who's going to really, truly be uh, the best coach for you. And you're going to have to be incredible. And this, again, to the point earlier, it's not just a coach. It could be anything for any aspect of your business. You have a right to be incredibly picky. You have a right to be incredibly skeptical. You have a right to basically be unbelievably you know, particular about who it is you're going to listen to. Mm -hmm. Because like I said a second ago, guys, and I'll read it to you again, shortcuts ex uh, exist to distract you from the correct path. Shortcuts cuts compound and you never find the correct path um, as long as you're staying on the shortcut. And if you hire a coach who actually doesn't meet all four of these requirements, then you're going to find yourself having made a bad decision, taking bad advice from someone who maybe doesn't even know they're giving you bad advice, but you're only going to find out that the advice was not what it should have been years and years later. So I'm going to read these uh, four points to you. And these are four points you should write down when you're thinking about hiring a real estate coach or anybody for the, you know, for the sake of the betterment of your business or your personal life. But for the sake of uh, coaching, here it is. Number one question you should ask when you're thinking about hiring a real estate coach, and this is you asking, you interviewing the coach, have they ever sold residential real estate? Do they, did they have a real estate license? All right. Now, if the answer is no, if the, I'm sorry, if the answer is yes, then move to question two. If the answer is no, fake coach alert. That is not a real coach. That's not somebody you should be listening to. And yes, I know that eliminates 99% of all the people out there that call themselves coaches. If they have not sold real estate before, if they've not walked in your shoes, if they have not been on the front lines like you have, why the hell would you listen to them and take their advice about what supposedly works to help make you successful? They have no clue what it helps, what it takes to make you successful because they've never done it. What they have done, if they are in the business of selling you something, usually it's some marketing widget if you haven't noticed that. In other words, they're trying to placate your desire to avoid doing the real work of real estate. Question number two. So let's say you have found someone that had a real estate license before that's calling themselves a real estate coach. All right, let's go move on to question number two. Did they sell at least 100 homes in one year? Did this you know person that has a real estate license that calls themselves a coach, did they sell at least 100 houses in a year? And if they did, so if they had, that's good, right? But if they did, you have to ask further questions. Were those individual transactions or is that like a building or a subdivision? Because let's be honest, a building or a subdivision is not the same as an agent who sold 100 houses in a year. Okay, Talking but, to 100 different sellers. So let's say you found someone with a license, you found someone that sold at least 100 houses in a year and they weren't uh, basically uh, a building or a subdivision. Let's move on to question number three. And if, they, if the answer to question number two wasn't yes, then you have a fake coach. Question three. Did they sell at least 100 homes per year for at least five years in a row? Now, we did it for more, you know, 10, but who cares? Let's, the, just for the sake of you finding the right coach, did they sell at least 100 homes per year for at least five years in a row? If yes, you have someone who's been there, done that, selling homes, and they do know how to be successful in real estate. So that's really good. You found somebody that's extremely rare, someone who sold at least 100 homes a year, uh, for five years in a row, individual transactions, that's somebody you should take seriously. Now you move on to question number four. And here's the thing. Even if you've been successful, there's a big difference between having been successful selling real estate and been successful coaching other people to sell real estate. It's a completely different skill set. So question number four is, have they provided at least 10,000 paid 
one-on-one coaching calls for agents. Not speaking, not Zooms, not being on a stage, real honest to God, one-on-one coaching calls. If not, <clears throat> sorry, if, you, if not, you owe yourself to keep looking. And hint, and this is the truth, and I think actually there are probably no more than two or three people in the industry, Julie and I being two of them, who've actually uh, met or exceeded these requirements. Not all of our coaches, by the way, have met or exceeded all these requirements. But we are very, very picky on the people we hire to be our coaches. They're all at least three out of four, though. Oh, yeah. They're at least three out of four. Right. We would certainly not hire someone that wasn't at least three out of four. But why would you, listeners, why would you even consider hiring someone that wasn't at least three out of four of those requirements? Well, and by the way, there is a difference between training and coaching. Training is telling you what to do. You need more listings. Coaching is showing you what to do. Here's the action plan to do it. Well, the best way to and one on one. The best know. way to explain that is like a teacher versus a tutor, right? So if yeah. someone's in front of a room and they're teaching, that's basically what most people do, and that's really what we call training. But for someone to sit down with you and sort of figure out your individual personal idiosyncrasies and what is or what isn't working for you, that's called uh, you know coaching basically or mentoring. You want to if you're going to be spending money, you better decide. Look, training is great. There's nothing wrong with yeah. really good trainers. But if you you if you can find somebody who's a trainer who's also a coach, in other words, they're not just parroting off information they've said a million times before. They actually know how to deep dive into your head and help you move around the for stuff. You, and, personally. For you, personally. Exactly. Yeah. That's a completely different level. So you owe it to yourself to be picky. You owe it to yourself to choose the best person you can hire. Because if you make a bad decision on where you spend your time, where you spend your money, you're never really going to truly obtain the highest levels of success. Doesn't this just intuitively make sense to all of you? Absolutely. So get to work and be proactive about what you're doing. We will see you tomorrow on the radio. And I will see some of you on Facebook Live uh, Coaching with our premier coaching clients. And I remind everyone, if you're interested in joining EXP and you're looking for the right sponsor, Julie and I are aligned with EXP. We'd love to talk with you about being your personal sponsor at EXP. Yes, you'd be personally sponsored by Tim and Julie Harris. Just text me directly at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. And we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.